Gentlemen, welcome to episode 66 of Beyond the Blade. I am your co-host, Chad Didemenesis. And I'm your other co-host, Bill Shockey. And who is ready for 45 minutes to an hour of QB mock draft? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is good to be back. It's, it's It was a rough season. It was a rough season. But here we are. We, we, we made it through it. We're still alive. Um... There's lots to talk about. Yeah, yeah, you know it's um, it, like I said, it's good to be back. You know, it, this was a rough one. It, it was a rough one, and um, you know, I first I think what we should do, um, besides talk about football quarterbacks, is give everybody a round of applause for making it through that season because it was tough. It was tough mm-hmm. to get through that season. Um, I, I don't. know, We made it. We finished last. And Saturday is going to be exciting, I guess. <laughs> we kind of know how to do this. And we've been here through the last five years with the best odds. And we know not to get our hopes up anymore. Um, but there's something we'll talk about later. But, yeah, like I said, there's a lot to talk about. You know, there's the off season here is kind of getting underway. Uh, we thought maybe we'd have some playoffs down in Rochester, but they got swept out of the Calder Cup playoffs today. So I guess there won't be much to talk about there with that. And it didn't really go well at all. Um but yeah, I mean, I don't know. How's hockey life been for you? You you watching the playoffs at least? Yeah, I mean, I think the playoffs has kind of been the saving grace here um, for the end of the season. It's it's nice to watch. Is it bad if I say real hockey or good hockey again? Um, <laughs> I mean, just watching right now, Boston Toronto game seven. This game has just been fantastic. It has been. You know, lots of scoring chances, big hits, uh, lots of goals. Poor goaltending. Poor goaltending, which is not a bad thing. So. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's 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 nice to see, you know, eventually what's at the end of the, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel, which is is why you you go through these drudges and you you climb through the the crap tunnel so you can, you can get to the end of this. And man, when we get back into the playoffs, that that feeling is going to be fantastic. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. But I mean, like you said, it was a it was a it was a dog season. But if it had to be a dog season, at least it ended with us in last, I guess. So. I mean, it sucks. It's not where we want to be. It's not what we want to see. We want to see, you know, some playoff action. But if we're going to be here, we might as well be here at the end again. So we got the best shot at, you know, a top guy. And if, if you know, if anything else, you're at least getting a top four, which is going to help this team start to turn it around uh, and move in the right direction. Yeah, definitely. So a few things we're going to turn on or turn on, touch on. I'm a little rusty here. So I have to bear with me through the first few minutes. Um, you know, so the season's over. We kind of talked about that. Uh, Interesting comments from Elia Friedman here we're going to get to shortly. Maybe have another rebuild on the horizon here, which doesn't sound that appetizing. Uh, off-season talk, some draft talk, and then in honor of the lottery draft being on Saturday, we're going to do a little bit of a lottery simulation uh, that I did earlier, and Bill has no idea how it plays out. So you'll get some live reaction from Bill how this turns out. So look forward nice. to that here at the end of the podcast. So let's touch on a few things here. Um, quickly, I guess some recent news. Uh, Victor Olaf, Victor Olafson from the Frulunda Indians 
Seventh round pick in 2014, led the SHL in scoring. That is the Swedish Elite League. Uh, so that's pretty good news. He'll start in Rochester next year, most likely. But you know, pretty exciting to get him in the fold. And then you know, Rasmus Aslan probably isn't far behind him. Um, from what I'm hearing, probably in the next 40, 72 hours, that deal could be locked up. That'd be nice. I mean, it's it's getting to that time where you know, what is it now? Two years ago. Where we were basically saying, you know, in two three years, this guy could be a really good uh, mm-hmm. bottom bottom six center. Um, and looking at the Sabres team now, it, it looks like that's exactly what we need. Um, the bottom six has been atrocious for a couple years now, uh, so that's one way to start to turn things around is is to get these draft picks up here and see who can you know start to fill these positions because you know the revolving door of journeymen and, and younger guys that are jumping from team to team obviously just isn't working out. Um, even the guys that you've drafted in the past who have now I'm thinking, you know, your Larson's, your Gergensen's don't seem to be working out either. So let's get these other guys up here. Let's get them signed, get them into the system and, you know, give them a chance, you know, what's the worst that can happen. Uh, except you might find somebody like Rodriguez, who's been a nice surprise. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, um, it's kind of really how I got to hope for right now is those prospects, you know, it's right. It's hoping Nylander finds it. Um, I mean, Casey Mattis was like, he's going to be a real nice player. So he played six games, and he looked pretty good. He had five points in six of those games, so that's you know that's good. Uh, Sam Reinhardt turned things around. You know, Borgen is in the system. A lot of people fear that he might head to free agency, so that's good. Uh, and you're going to get some, you know, good players in this upcoming draft, at least in the top four. And, you know, I mean, there's some good players in the back half, early part of the second round, too, that you might be able to get your hands on. So... Should have Gooley here next year. Too. Gooley's here next year full time. Casey Nelson was a pretty nice surprise. I mean, he's going to be a free agent, unrestricted free agent, but I think they'll eventually get that done. So that's pretty exciting. Sean Malone had a great second half for the Amherst too. Um, you know, but there's guys like maybe we can kind of touch on that a little bit here. Maybe we can say for another day too. But quickly, you know, I'm curious. You know, what's your thought? I mean, you know, we see Hudson Fashion here. He's scratched the last two games in Rochester. Um, Justin Bailey kind of had his chance this year. Didn't really give you a ton. Nick Baptiste got an extended look. You know, it's like maybe they're grooming him for a bottom six role. But, you know, for me, they're all three of those guys are restricted free agents. And I kind of have a hard time seeing all three of them being back. I'm just curious mm-hmm. of what your quick take would be on that. Yeah, I mean, it's it kind of goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the season, that this was, you know, Bailey Baptiste to, to a point fashing. Uh, this was their year to do it. Uh, they had, you know, new GM coming in. Everyone's basically been waiting for them for two years now to, to make that jump and to start to fill those bottom roles, at least um, at least fill those bottom roles. We even had, you know, spots on the top six where they could have played if they showed that they could do it. And, I mean, they haven't done it. So here we are, and I would not be surprised at all if you see one, if not two, move on. Uh, or get traded here. So, I mean, it's unfortunate, but I, I still think that there's a chance for maybe, like you said, like a Baptiste could definitely start next year uh, up in, in the bottom six, depending on how much of a turnover there is for the team. And, and it could Bailey too, but I just, if they're really going to start to tear things down here, I think you're going to start to move those guys for either other players or different types of players or, you know, cheaper picks. Uh, so you can start to turn those into other players and, and like you said, start bringing in those Olofsons, those Asplins, and hope Nylander and, and Middlestead make that jump. And I mean, he, you saw him pick up a guy like Scott Wilson. I wouldn't imagine, or I could see him doing that, something like that again, mm-hmm. uh, even two more times, you know, in this offseason, just trying to find that, that bottom six that works. Yeah, you know, I mean, the thing about, you know, Bailey and Baptiste is that is I want to say the window's closing, you know, or maybe a better way to put it is they don't have that gap anymore. You know, Nylander is kind of maybe catching them. And then don't look now, but here comes the next wave. C.J. Smith right. has caught you. Uh, Ogilvy, they just signed. The college free agent from Notre Dame, he's in the mix now. And here comes Olofsson. Here comes Asplund. Here comes Cliff Poo. You know, like, you know, the guys are starting to they're come and catch you now. And, you know, Botterill said at the end of the season there's going to be these positions are going to be up for battle. And he mentioned all the guys and you know, we can throw Sean Malone's name into that too. You know, there's, uh-huh. it's no longer just, all right, we need Bailey Baptiste or Fashing to get one of these spots. Well, now being Bailey Baptiste 
and then they got to beat out this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, and that guy. So, I don't know. And especially when, you know, Battle will start bringing in his guys like Ogilvy, or he signs right. Olofsson, someone he signs, or when he signs Asplin that like he signs. You know, maybe he prefers them kind of over the guys that really aren't, quote-unquote, his guys. So. And, and I wouldn't necessarily say it's a bad thing, obviously, that now you have instead of saying, okay, we need we need these two or three guys to be up in the lineup or else it's going to be a rough year or we're going to have huge holes, as opposed to now you're saying, okay, we've got you know six, seven, eight guys that potentially could fill these spots, so it makes it harder for those guys. But The competition uh, brings out the best, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of what you got to hope for at this point because on the flip end of it, it's you're, you're starting to get through waves of prospects that aren't panning out. Yes. It's a problem in itself. Yep. Um, so either you got to start hitting on draft picks or like you said, competition needs to start bringing out the best in these guys. Or, uh, like we were just talking about, he's got to start moving on from guys and, and either getting, you know, future picks or maybe other guys, like, uh, one for ones, like we talked about, like Gergensen's for the Duclair, even though that didn't end up happening, but you got to start getting new blood in here. If, if, the, the draft picks that you pick, not he picked, but were picked by the team are just not starting to pan out. So I think this kind of transitions well into our next topic here. Uh, Elliot Friedman today on the Vancouver radio show talking about the draft and the lottery and kind of who needs it the most, you know, the teams at the top. Um, you know, he mentioned the Sabres, and then he said, and I quote, I think they're looking at tearing that team right down to the studs. So that's interesting. Like you kind of mentioned we were texting earlier, that kind of gives you – maybe a first glimpse into what this offseason plan for Bottero might exactly be. Uh, it sounds like another form of a rebuild, which might not go over that great with the fan base who <laughs> just went through it. Um, but I don't know, maybe it's on the fly one. Maybe it's not as in-depth, you know. You kind of got What does he mean by studs? Like, does he mean they rip it down to the studs like Jack Eichel, or is he ripping it down to the floor like everybody's got to go except like four or five guys, you know, that, that's what I'm trying to like figure out what exactly he was kind of meaning there. Well, I think there's a lot of good things, good things and interesting things here. <clears throat> I think one, it, it brings us up to the point where, like I said to you earlier, that we haven't really seen anything from bottle. And I think that's, it's also kind of the reason why it's been so long that we've been back is it's so tough to, I mean, obviously we can sit here and tell you what we would like to happen, but you know, we've been saying that for a long time, get the kids up here, let them play. And that just isn't what is happening. So right. we're kind of just waiting for that first, you know, big move or, or at least glimpse into what Bacho is going to try and do. All he did was come in here the first year and basically say that, you know, the Amherst are going to be good and we're going to build from the AHL up. And that's how, you know, the Penguins did it. And that's how we're going to do it with the Sabres. And so it gives you hope I mean, he did it. I mean, <laughs> he, he did it to a point. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I definitely it hurts that they everyone was looking forward to a deep run and obviously they just got swept, but right. I will say, so the good thing when it comes to, you know, tearing this team right down to the studs, as you quoted, uh, you, at least you already have Jack Eichel. So, I mean, and you're going to get a top it, four it, pick this year. Right. So, I mean, bringing it down to this, it's not like you're, you're starting from scratch. You, you, you have Jack Eichel, you have Simon Reinhardt, you have, you know, the pick this year, you've got Gooley, you've got Middlestad. So you, the, there's, you know, a co- another core, I guess I would say, is there. Because, I mean, when you thought about the core last year or two years ago, who was it? It was Eichel, Reinhardt, Kane, O'Reilly, Oposo. Ristolainen, right. So when you're talking about taking this team down the studs, I think you'd have to imagine that means, you know, Kane, who's gone, O'Reilly, Oposo, Ristolainen, potentially, uh, Leonard. So like, I think those would be the guys that would go because that would kind of be the core of the last GM. And then you keep the guys like Reinhardt, Eichel, Bilstad, obviously. Um, and that kind of becomes your core going forward. And I, so I think when you're just talking about bringing it down to the studs, I think those are the, I mean, literally and figuratively, the studs that you're going to keep around. And that's where the new rebuild, if it does happen, is going to come from. So, I mean... I don't necessarily know that that would be a bad thing. Uh, I guess it would be de- it would de- be dependent on what you would get if you were to move on from O'Reilly or Rissalainen. I mean, if you're able to get, you know, maybe a first or second rounder and a, a prospect or 
or maybe just like a high end prospect, another pick or, or something like that. I mean, you could, like you said, uh, kind of make this a quick thing if you do it right. Yep. Um, and that's Don't the cut corners thing. like the last GM did. Right. Yeah. I mean, you gave up too much in this respect. I think you're going to be giving up good players to get picks as opposed to giving up all your picks to get good players right. that are in their mid twenties. Um, so here, I think you're giving up those guys to to kind of get, you know, the, the basically the foundation uh, to build around guys like Eichel, Middlestad, uh, Gouley, and oh, that ref just took a fumble. Uh, <laughs> and and obviously the the pick that you're going to get this year in the top four at least. So um, I, I think that I would just don't get too frustrated or too upset right away that that this is what is coming out i would say that it might not necessarily be a bad thing because i think if if you're moving on from the right people uh and you're kind of building around the new core i mean i think then you're given jack the sea and you're kind of moving forward with uh, the life as sabers and and then you're building which obviously yeah it could still take a year or two but and no, obviously nobody wants to hear that but um then you're getting guys into the system you're now a year into you know, the guys being in the Amherst. And, and like you said, now you're starting to see those signings come to fruition, um, at least in the in the coming, you know, season here. Uh, those guys will be in the system. So I, I just, I wouldn't be too worried, I guess, about a, a rebuild or bearing it down to the studs because you have a lot of the pieces already in place. Um, getting it down to the studs isn't getting a ton of picks and then waiting for those picks to be drafted. Right, and look at this too. I mean, I was looking at this while you were talking. I pulled up the Sabres roster. I count 10 guys that are most likely not going to be back this season. Pouliot, Larson, Dierkensons, Antipin, Jordan Nolan, Josephson, Falk, Georges, and both goaltenders, Leonard and Johnson. Um, you can kind of argue upset? on it. You can argue Would anybody on be upset? Exactly, and that's 10 guys off the roster. That's, right. You just strip 10 guys Half off. Half your team. Right, and that, that's before you get into any conversation of Trading wrist line or O'Reilly, or what are you going to do with Pominville? Are you going to buy him out? Or are you going to keep him? You know, are you going to keep Jake McCabe? Are you going to keep Bullyu? But I mean, before you even get to those conversations, even Bogosian's in there. Like, are you going to keep Bogosian? Right. Before you even get to that, you're already dropping ten players. I mean, some of those guys you can maybe the point that they're not going to go, like Jurgen Simpson, Larson, maybe only one of the two. Um, and I also think the other point to those ten is you're not getting anything for those ten. No, those they're all going to walk. Guys, you're leaving. Right, those walk are guys that are sleeping. Or you're going to get roster. very minimal in a trade for Larson and Jurgensen's. So I, th- but I think when you're talking about bringing it down to the studs, I think you're you're getting rid of part of the current core that's here. Right, and you know something that you know I'm sure we'll talk about as the season unfolds here, the off season. I mean, um, you know, I, I mean, Eichel's not going to go. Middlestad's obviously oh. not going to go. Um, Reinhardt is probably not going to go with the second half that he had. I think you still sign him cheap. I, I think you can too. You can get him at three years, four and a half, four point seven five. Why wouldn't you do that for a guy who just scored fifty points? Right. I mean, put him on your roster next season and see what happens if you don't mess around with him being a center all year long for half of the season or a quarter at least. Maybe he's going to be a sixty, sixty-five point guy. You, I mean, you don't know, but. You know, I, I think at the end of the day, you're, you can't move a Pulso with that contract. So no. really, it's something I've kind of written about, maybe you've talked about before, it's going to be O'Reilly or Ristolainen. And if you're going to change your core, it's going to come out one of those two players, at least this offseason. And I, I don't have a preference on moving either one, but I, I think it kind of comes down to what happens in the draft. I mean, if you get Darlene, maybe that makes Ristolainen more expendable. If you can get Dalene, maybe then you can go in the free agency and get John Carlson or Calvin DeHaan. Again, maybe that makes Ristlinen more expendable. Then you can keep O'Reilly, you can protect Middlestad, and then your three centers next year are Eichel, Middlestad, and O'Reilly. I mean, that, that, that sounds pretty good to me, right? Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I have no problem with... I mean, obviously, the problem with O'Reilly right now is the, the quotes from the end of the offseason. And that, right. I mean... To a point, it's, it's O'Reilly being O'Reilly. He's always honest and he's always super hard on himself. But I mean, he's definitely concerning a guy who said he's basically lost his left of the game. So yeah. I mean, the interesting part though at the end of the season press conference with Botterill, he kind of went out of his way to defend O'Reilly even 
Right. So it kind of makes me wonder that those comments didn't really bother him. They had a conversation, they figured it out, and it didn't really bug him. It doesn't mean Riley won't be traded, but right. I, I just think with those within those the context of that quote, I think they've kind of hashed that out with the two of them. That, that was just my takeaway from it. Yeah, well, because, I mean, if you go back to basically when Eichel was drafted, all we talked about was how you need to be deep down the middle. And can you imagine, you know, two or three years from now when it's Eichel, O'Reilly, and somebody else? Mm-hmm. Um, so, if it, I mean, if it's Eichel, O'Reilly, and Middlestead, obviously that's – you're doing good down the middle. Now you just got to fill in the rest. So I don't think it's – I don't think you have to trade O'Reilly. Um, but, I I mean, depending on what – there was – I forget who it was, but basically, maybe it might have been McKenzie who said that you could still get a, a decent haul for O'Reilly at this point. I think it was LeBron on, on WGR. I think. It was. Okay, yeah, I knew it was I one of those. To that, yeah. The TSN guys. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess what it comes down to is, what is that haul? Because I mean, that that comment in general kind of surprised me, uh, especially you know with his contract and the length that's still left. I mean, obviously he's still a good player. He put up what was it, second highest career points? Yep. This year. Yeah, uh, and he was the best faceoff man in the NHL. So I, I mean, he obviously does have value, but high value is kind of I wonder. I wonder how high that value is, and I think that's kind of what it'll come down to is the value of keeping him on your team and putting him as the you know second line center that'll be able to groom Middlestad into you know the center that he needs to become, or the value of what you might get to basically support. Uh, Eichel and Middlestead to have wingers that they need to, you know, obviously become the even more prolific players in the NHL. So I'm going to ask you two questions here. One on this topic and one to kind of transition into our next one. But on this topic, who do you think gets more in a trade? O'Reilly or Ristolainen? I think oh, it's tough. I I was going to jump out with the one right at the gate, but I kind of stalled (laughs) for a second. Honestly, he's younger, defensive are hard to come by. I honestly think Chris Lina might be able to get you more in a trade. Yeah, I, well, I don't know. It's tough because centers are hard to come by too. And a team like Montreal could definitely yeah. use a guy like O'Reilly. Or Carolina. Uh, or Carolina. And if you could pull out like a Hannafin or you know somebody yeah. like that. Um, I, I, I wonder, <laughs> this is going to sound funny, but I, I wonder if, Going back to the Freeman thing, you know, breaking it down to the studs or tearing it down to the studs. I wonder if you can, say, move O'Reilly to a team like Carolina and get somebody like a Hannafin if you don't turn around and then make a deal with uh, another team to dump Bristol Island and go get a winger or a center. Yeah. I mean, I, I, especially I think for the lottery, you can definitely do that. It's definitely a possibility, right. And I, th- I think you can kind of fill the holes and maybe get more. Um, and then turn around and, you know, make a trade and get, you know, even more on top of that too. So if that's really what they're looking to do, and like you said, I, I, re- I think the key really does come down to if they win the lottery. I mean, if they win, if they win the lottery, it basically opens you up for, to do basically whatever you want because you, you now have, you know, your new stud defenseman that you're going to have cheap for three years. You got Gooley coming up. You got those other guys that are going to be here, like Bogosian most likely. Um, and bowl you so I mean can you move on from both I, I that wouldn't surprise me I think if you're able to move on from one you, you're probably able to move on from other with the pieces that you get from the the first trade so right. it, it, things can get interesting here I think it's basically going to be Saturday is obviously huge Saturday is important to find out where you're going to be drafting and then from there I think there's going to be one big trade that will kind of you know shed the light on the dominoes too that will fall uh, continuing the offseason. So the next question kind of transitions into our next topic, um, but kind of similar to this one too. Would you, if you were Botterill, would you mm-hmm. get in the hunting one of the big fish in free agency? John Carlson, Tavares, JVR, James Neal. I mean, Tavares, I think, is kind of a long time. You can throw him out. But right. Carlson, uh, Van Riemsdyk, who just got eliminated by the Bruins now in Toronto. Uh, or totally James okay Neal. with. <laughs> um... It's tough. It, it is. It, it, I don't want to say UFA scare me, but I want to say, like, you went and got up close, so you went and you got Molson. Everyone was happy that we were able to go. I think it's, it's – all right. So to take a step back real quick, you get the, obviously that narrative, uh, you know, that the big fish never want to come to Buffalo. And then you've basically gotten the big fish recently, and <laughs> they've kind of, you know, yeah. fallen out on you. So 
I don't necessarily I wonder if I just wonder if Bottrell's that kind of guy. I, I part of me feels like he isn't. I don't think he he might be that guy that goes out, you know, goes and you know tries for a Tavares or a, a Carlson. I mean, maybe at least all we've seen up to this point is him going after you know bottom six guys to try and fix that, or you know mm-hmm. uh, AHL guys to try and shore up that so that that team's better. Um, I don't know. I mean, would Carlson be? <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't think Carlson will obviously be a bust like the other two were, but uh, you're giving him big money for a long time, and for how long that that continues to give you that value is definitely a question mark. No, oh, absolutely. Uh, so it's it's tough. I, I I just don't know if they do that this year. I guess I would say I I would say that they probably you know you take your top four pick, you make some big trades to get guys that you want, and then you probably go into the season and see how it goes. Um, especially because that's all he really did this season. He basically, I feel like he sat on his hands and we actually talked about it uh, probably a couple weeks ago, more uh, since Kane's been playing well with the Sharks, that he might have just sat on his hands not only too long with Kane, but he might have sat on his hands too long with the whole team. And then yep. the whole team was so bad that like no players just really had any value. And so he really couldn't move on if he wanted to. Um, so I guess I wouldn't be surprised if he you know, make some moves to make the team more his team this off season and then kind of sits around and sees, okay, you know, let's wait in a whole, hopefully not a whole other season, but basically let's watch a whole other season and see what I need to correct again. And then maybe that's when you start to pick up the UFAs in year two or three. But I mean, it would definitely, it would definitely, uh, that's basically you know, kind of, I guess, streamline it. Uh, if you're worried about having a total rebuild, I mean, putting a guy like John Carlson on our team definitely speeds that rebuild up yeah, pretty definitely. damn quick. Yeah, you know that. For me, that that that's the guy for me. It's uh, you know, James Neal would be nice, and Bottle's familiar with him. Uh, ben Reams like too. I mean, that'd be a nice guy to add to the wing, and I wouldn't necessarily be against it if they made that move, but. Carlson is, I think, the kind of defenseman that this team is needed. You know, he can produce points in the blue line. I mean, a lot of people don't know he scored sixty points this year. You know, and that's again, he played in a you know a good offensive team in Washington. But I, I mean, I don't know. He's playing great in the playoffs right now. He's making himself a ton of money right now. How well he's playing, I, mm-hmm. I just think he's such a good skater. Um, he can produce offense. He can play defense. He has a good shot. He can help your power play that struggled at times last year. I think there's just a lot of holes that he could fill. And if you get a guy like Dowling, he can kind of take some pressure off of him too. Because uh, he could take some of those bigger minutes. He could take some of those power play minutes and give Dowling, you know, the opportunity to kind of cruise in and not have the spotlight on him right away. So that would, at the very least, that would be the guy that I would of the big fish that I would at least try to get in the conversation on, at least talk to his agency if he has any interest in coming here. Um, I mean, again, that is if he even Washington even lets him go, which we'll kind of see how that plays out. Um, but realistically, Carlson would be nice, but I, I think there's a better chance they can go after a guy like Kelvin DeHaan from the Islanders, maybe kind of the next level defenseman, or Derek Ryan from Carolina who can maybe play that third line center role or fourth line center role he can score some goals in the bottom six he could skate he's a good possession guy he can win face-offs um you know again it's not a flashy signing but you know or even a guy like Mac Helber those are a couple of guys that I could see them going after some low level right. second level guys instead of the big fish probably did it last year with Pouliot and um mm-hmm. you know they got bring got Beaulieu um nothing really crazy big or flashy at some point, though, obviously you need those players. And, I mean, this is probably an obvious point, but win the lottery and get a guy like John Carlson, you don't have to worry about your defense anymore. Right, right. Especially if you find a way to keep us lining, too, then you're on your way. I mean, you know, with Borgen yeah, yeah. coming and Gooley's going to be there, and if you keep Nelson, then... Scandella. Right. That, that's a much, much, much improved defense. So it definitely can happen. Not necessarily saying it's going to, but... And that's kind of the thing with the NHL is, is you can talk about a rebuild, but, I mean, just look at Colorado. Um, so New Jersey. It's, yeah, it's, it's not super difficult to turn things around if you are able to just finally put the right pouces in the right places. I mean, obviously getting guys like Pouliot and, 
and Josephson and, and Nolan <laughs> obviously didn't work out. But I, I think if you do find those guys, I think Calvert could be a, one of those guys. Or, you know, Scott Wilson was, you know, decent. He's better than the rest of them. Um, if, if you do find it, start to put those pieces in the right place. It's it's not impossible to, you know, squeak in as a 7-8 seed. So, I mean, obviously, we said that this year. Um, but... <laughs> So there's a ways to go, but I, I guess it just, it re- like you said, it really comes down to how much he's willing to go after, how much luck you have, and then uh, how much overhaul really does happen. Um, because if, if you win the lottery and Carlson, like you said, you can move on from Rissa line. You still got you know, Darlene, Carlson, Scandella, Gouley, Bogosian, you like take your pick. You, you right. got plenty of defensemen then uh, where you can, it allows you to move on from a guy like Rissa line and then, help the offense because scoring has obviously been a huge issue. Yeah. So next here, I think we can kind of start to transition to maybe the weekend a little bit here. Um, the lottery is on Saturday night. Um, a tense time. I'm sure it'll be, you know, we haven't been here since the McDavid Heckle draft. Um, <laughs> you know, we've had some lotteries obviously, but realistically chances of winning them are very small, but so was again, last go- year. You're what? So just look at last year, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what? Philadelphia came from 13 to 2. Um, maybe the year before that with Lining, didn't Winnipeg go from like 5 or 6 up to 2, right? Something like that, I think. That sounds right. So, I mean, teams can jump. And, you know, I mean, Colorado had the worst record and one of the worst seasons in NHL history, and then they end up picking fourth. I mean, to be fair, they got one of my favorite players in Cal McCarr in the draft last year, but. Uh, still, I mean, you know, you can fall and things happen, but I don't know, you know, kind of what I want to talk about a little bit is, you know, with how the season's gone, you know, I, I've watched a lot of these players, at least the top end of the draft, and, you know, yeah, Darlene is that, he's that shining star at one, and if you get him, great, awesome, um, but either way, I, I keep saying the top four, you're going to get a good hockey player. Right. Uh, if you pick second, And importantly, not to cut you off, no, but go ahead. they're... Behind defensemen, they're wingers. Yeah. So, and you need both badly. I mean, that's the good right. thing, you know. It's not like it's like yeah. a center sitting there. You don't really need as bad, you know. It's, you know, Sveshnikov is, you know, the Russian winger from Barry. You know, he's, he's a special kid, you know. And a lot of people, I think, don't give him the credit because, one, he's Russian, and two, uh, you know, people in Buffalo watch him in the real junior and don't understand the way that the Russian Federation works is they play those kids who play in Russia over the kids who play in North America. Uh, Sebastian didn't get a lot of time on the ice. And when he did, he was impactful, but he didn't play a lot. Uh, so people didn't really get a good look at him. Whereas Zadina and Middlestat and guys like that. And um, Dalene had good tournaments. So I think that kind of puts the damper on him, but I mean, the kid has it all. The kid can skate. He is big. He is strong. He'll take the power to the net. He can shoot and be a goalie clean. Um, I have no doubt saying he's going to be a 40 goal scorer in this league. And then you get to Zadina at three, who I think is pretty entrenched at three. And again, he's a nice, quick skating winger that can put the puck in the net. Uh, you kind of saw what he did at the World Juniors for the Czechs. And I, I think it's really interesting you know, to watch him at the World Championships. He's going to play with the Czech Republic team against you know pros, and it kind of might give you an indication if he's NHL right next year. I think he's kind of borderline, and we'll see how the World Championships go. But, I mean, again, you know the scoring winger this team badly needs. And then if you fall down to fourth, well, then you're kind of, for me, you're in that Oliver Wallstrom, you know, Adam Bachwist area, or maybe Evan Bouchard if you want to get to there. But, you know, Wallstrom, you know, he's playing at the U18s right now with uh, Quinn Hughes' brother Jack Hughes, probably going to be one of the top two picks next year. Um, but Wallstrom, you know, he's another guy. He's a big a big forward, play center or wing. Uh, and he, he may be, with Sveshnikov, he may be the, most natural score in this draft. So, I mean, that'd be a nice getter. You know, Adam Bachquist, you know, the, the defenseman out of Sweden, is he's a special talent defensively. Uh, he can score from the blue line. He can skate like the wind. He may take a little bit longer to get to the NHL, but, you know, he's an exciting prospect there too. And, you know, there's guys like Brady Tuchuk, who a lot of people like because he had a good real junior. I'm not so high in him. Uh, Quinn Hughes can get his name in there. You know, the Michigan defenseman. And, you know, Evan Bouchard, a London Knight defenseman, you know, he might be the most, besides Darlene, he might be the most NHL-ready. Um, 
he kind of it's weird to get to a football analogy. Bouchard kind of reminds me of the Josh Rosen of this draft, where he may have the highest floor, but maybe not the maybe the lowest ceiling, kind of you know, of the defense group. If that makes sense, uh, he you know he's I mean he'll be I think a decent top four defenseman most likely. You know he's good at both ends. He produced a lot at London, but I'm not sure that offense will translate to the NHL, but. You know, I think he's the most NHL ready defenseman outside of Deline. So, I don't know. I mean, again, I just want to kind of count everybody's nerves. There's a lot of good players at the top of the draft. You know, if you don't get Deline, the role's not going to end. You're still going to get a good hockey player. So, I just kind of wanted to make sure I took the opportunity to maybe try to calm some nerves out there. Yeah. I mean, when you're, when you're at the bottom of the league, you obviously have holes. So, and I, like I said, in the beginning of this, this is kind of the, the nice thing is even though. It was not the season that anybody wanted. You ending up here is going to fill one of those holes uh, cheaply and easily. You, you know, you're not really going to have to think about it unless you fall to four. You're going to get, you know, your franchise defenseman or you're going to get a very, very good winger that is going to fit pretty much nicely next to either Jack or... Yeah, you're finally going to get that winger for Eichel been looking for for three years. Only three years? I'm just kidding. <laughs> feels like it's an eternity because even even when we have Reinhardt it never lasts they just stay on the same line so that's true but yeah I mean it's I think if you get a guy like that I I think it forces the hand of you finally have that you know top end winger especially you're throwing out you know Fesnikov being a 40 goal scorer I think uh if you put him on Eichel's wing that's probably more than likely so I mean, he, yeah, I he like has the speed is. to keep up with him. You know, he has the skating ability. He's one of the smoother skaters in the draft, you know. So, you've always said we need a guy who can skate with Eichel. And, right. you know, Sebastian is that guy. So, I think that'd be a good fit, natural fit. So, top three. You just want top three, yeah? I, ideally, I, I would love a top three pick, ideally. But, again, if you fall to four, I, I think if they fall to four, I don't. I'm not Jason Potterill. But I, I think they would go the defenseman route at four. Um, although Wallstrom, I think, is really underrated for what people... You don't know who Wallstrom kind of is. He's honestly like the Casey Middle side, I think, of this draft. Uh, uh, there you he, go. He, people don't give him all the respect in the world, but I don't know if how many eyes get on him. You know, he plays for the U.S. National Development Team. Um, but right now, I think he's starting to get the credit, you know, playing at the U18 Worlds because he's having a good tournament. And the kid just scores constantly. And like I said, he's one of the top natural scorers in this draft he has a great shot an unbelievable shot so i'm really high on wallstrom but i think if they slide to four you know with bakra sitting there and bouchard and then you know it'd be if, hard not to right and if bottle likes quinn hughes from michigan where he went to college he likes the college players i could see that too so we'll see, we'll see another all college out. boy too yeah to chuck the thing is a lot of people like him i don't I don't. I, I don't think he had a good rest of the season at BU after his um, after the World Juniors. I don't think he's not the best skater to be honest with you. You know, he reminds me a little bit of a bigger Sam Reinhart. He'll score in around the net. He doesn't have a great shot. He's not the best skater. Um, I think his last name, his brother's success, are helping him kind of be in that top ten, in the top five in some people's minds, but. That makes sense. I'm just I'm just not that sold on him. I, I, I don't mean he only scored I know it's college hockey, but he only scored I think nine goals this season. Um he really wasn't much of a factor in BU's tournament in the NCAA tournament. Um again, people are gonna see that really good real juniors in Buffalo and you're gonna be like, Oh, you know, Brady to Chuck, but I don't know. I I'll spin you a cautionary tale on that. I'll just you know, we'll kinda maybe talk about it more as the draft gets closer, but mm-hmm. I, I don't love that idea. All right. Makes me a little nervous, you know. Botchwell <laughs> talks about how he loves his college boys. Yeah, it does. It does. And, you know, there was some Twitter chat around the deadline that, I forgot who it was, somebody from TSN, though, said that, or it was like, like a Calgary broadcast, that some teams had Brady to Chuck in the, you know, as their number two, and people believe that one of those teams is Buffalo, and that makes me super <laughs> nervous <if> that's <laughs> the case. But I don't know. It's like, again, it's like the football draft. We'll kind of see how it all plays out here. I was going to say, we got quite some time here for all those stories to change about 10 times. Exactly, exactly. So I figured we would end here. 
is we'd have a little fun. We'd have our own little mock lottery simulation here, if you will. Um, so I ran it earlier. So I'll go down the list here, 15 to 1. And you, Bill has no idea how this goes. So we're going to kind of see... I don't know, I guess we could say, kind of see how this plays out here. So um, My let's... shocked face is ready. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So let's... Uh... Let's go here. I even have some nice background music for us, but let's kind of get underway here. Here we go. 15. <laughs> Picking 15 overall, the Florida Panthers. I'll let you know if anybody changes, by the way. I was just pulling up the league standings. <laughs> Picking 14th via the St. Louis Blues, the Philadelphia Flyers. Picking 13th, the Dallas Stars. Picking 12th, the New York Islanders via the Calgary Flames. Okay. Picking 11th, the New York Islanders. And we oh. have our first lottery <laughs> spot. That was the Carolina Hurricane spot. So Carolina oh has jumped into the top three at least. Picking 10th, the Edmonton Oilers. Thank God. <laughs> Picking 9th, the New York Rangers. Picking 8th, the Chicago Blackhawks. Picking seventh, the Detroit Red Wings. Oh, Vancouver again. So, picking oh. sixth, the Montreal Canadiens, which means the Vancouver Canucks have slipped into the top three. So, teams we have left, Vancouver, Arizona, Carolina, Ottawa, Buffalo. On a pick number five, the Arizona Coyotes. Pick number four. The Ottawa Senators. So, That's good. the Buffalo Sabres are in the top three. In the top three. Carolina, got ourselves at least a winger. Exactly. Carolina, <laughs> Vancouver, Buffalo in the top three. So, picking number three. Carolina Hurricanes. So, it'll be Vancouver or Buffalo at the top. And picking first overall in the 2018 draft in Dallas the Buffalo Sabres oh. which means Vancouver Canucks pick second so Carolina, Vancouver and Buffalo so yeah first try Buffalo won I guess uh, that's fitting since the Sedins are retiring they get number two yeah right, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. they can get Sebastian to replace the Sedins that left there you go well, that makes uh, my life pretty easy. Right, right. <laughs> you know, Darlene, awesome. Let's go. Let's have a good off season, right? Yeah. It definitely. Uh, if that were to happen, number one, I wouldn't mind Vancouver moving up to two. I mean, I'm not a huge. I don't like Vancouver at all, but uh, you know, a West Coast team, whatever. Um, Carolina in three is, eh, but I guess Carolina is better than Ottawa. Right. Um, I don't mind, obviously, Ottawa moving out of the the two spots so uh and three so that'd be i honestly i'm i'm actually okay with how your first test run went um obviously it helps Buffalo getting number one uh and then i mean it makes it makes even kind of the off season easy for us because then we can talk about how to fill the rest because obviously we always i feel like we're really what we talk about a lot is or at least the i don't want to say national talk but it's how buffalo needs defensive help and I really think it's just, man, I mean, just like, obviously they're nowhere near the Penguins, but you look at the Penguins, they, their defense is not good. Right. Uh, right. But they can score. Um, so if you get, they just, Sabres need to find a way to start putting the puck in the net. I mean, not even hitting 200 goals this year. Yeah. That's just brutal. So, I mean, I would love for them to get one because then I think your defense, it's not set, but I think you can then really focus on fixing the dang offense. Um, and however you want to do that. I mean, it, like you said, even if they don't get one, as long as they get maybe two or three, it might it might be a blessing in disguise to finally at least get that winger for Jack, uh, and then you can try and fix the rest. But I, I think either way here, no matter how the lotto shakes out, um, obviously you want the lean. That lean would be nice to have. Uh, but I think um, it wasn't a, the end of the world if they were going to miss the playoffs that they ended last because – you're going to get somebody here in the draft that you really badly need, and it's going to start to 
start at least to turn this team around. Yeah, you know, I, I agree. You know, the the scoring thing is 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 not good. Lowest scoring team in the league, give up the most goals in the league. Uh, so there's definitely areas to improve on both ends. And you know, that's a good thing about having that top four pick is you're going to get a player, whether it's offense or defense. You're probably going to get a player who's going to help you offensively, who's going to generate offense, whether it right. be you know in the forward group from the blue line. So that's something to look forward to. And it's a big need, and I guess kind of a way it'll maybe depending who you get could cross off two of your needs. So. You know, we'll kind of see we'll kind of see how Saturday shakes out. But like I said, you know, I ran down some of those players at the top. So if you don't get Dalene, the world's not going to end. Um, you know, it'll be unfortunate, but you know, it's it's definitely not going to end. And um, one thing we'll talk about because you asked me earlier in the week, so one thing I do want to touch on quickly: um, if they don't win the lottery, I have absolutely no interest in trading that pick. Because I know you wanted to bring that up a little bit today, but um, yeah. So, so I'll kind of yeah, I'll kind of answer your I mean, question. I think I was just uh, clouded with all of the NFL talk recently. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, the NHL is different. You want to be at the top. You want to get those guys because those are the guys that are going to pan out uh, more mm-hmm. than likely. So um, I, the only reason I initially thought of it was because of the holes. I mean, if yeah. you can move down and, and pick up some other uh, picks, obviously it might not be a bad thing. But then, like you said, we're talking into you're going from a guy like, maybe a Zadina or Sveshnikov into, you know, your Boquist area or your other guys who you said might not be ready right away, um, but could pan out, but maybe, you know, could be just like a top four defenseman and not, and not be a 40 goal scorer. So yeah, there's, there's no sense in moving down, especially if you got all the way up here, uh, you might as well stick it out. I think it's like you said, when you get into that more, you know, seven eight nine range that you could probably move down and obviously there's no chance of that so yeah and, and, you know we're kind of kind of sees a drop off at around seven um you know I, again I, I just i just i just like there's no need to get cute here you know you have holes yeah. you're, you're going to get a good guy in the top four just to take a guy and you think you'll be just fine um so before we end we said we're not going to talk about quarterback stuff but do you want to make a quick prediction here the bills are going to pick tomorrow oh man I still have no idea. I'm just I'll I'll predict that I'll be happy that it's finally over. <laughs> I think we all will. <laughs> because it has been mind numbing basically how much we've had to talk about this and just how much things have changed. I know. No, I no know. one has any idea how any of it's gonna go, but I mean I guess if you want me to, to guess it's probably gonna be I'll I'll let you give me two. Give me two guys and then it could be. That I want or that I think it'll be. You can do both. You can you can give me a guy that you can give me who you want your top guy, and then give me the two who you think. Give me two guys you think will end up being. I think if Darnold makes it past one, they'll go hard after Darnold. And there's just been so much talk about Allen that if not, they'll probably wait for him uh, to come around. Whether that's anywhere between five and twelve. Um, who I want it to be is basically the other two, <laughs> <laughs> Mayfield or Rosen. I just. I like the the charismatic more, and uh, I just think, you know, the the potential of of being you know a better quarterback and you know fitting in well. Um, I don't know. Just give me a quarterback, I guess. Uh, yeah. <laughs> At the end of the day, I mean, even if it's Allen, and people following me on Twitter know that I am in no way, shape, or form a Josh Allen fan. Um, but even if the pick is Allen, you know, by the time training camp rolls around, I'll be in and rooting for him and giving it to myself that he's going to be the next Tom Brady. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, my, my two guys, my top guys, of course, Mayfield. Um, you know, he's kind of been locked in me for a while. Um, it really, it, it's three guys for me. It, it's Mayfield, Rosen, and Darnold in that order. Um, I'll be happy with any one of those. Um, Jackson, I can live with two. Rudolph is near. Um, all, all I really want is I don't want them to trade up to get Allen and give away a fortune if like somebody is on the board like a Rosen or Mayfield because I'll lose my mind. That's the only thing I yeah, asked for. That's probably the worst case scenario too. Right, but I I think the other day it's gonna come. To, honestly, I think it comes down. It's gonna come down to Allen or Rosen. Um, I think it'll be one of those two because I don't think Mayfield makes the past three with the Jets, and I still think Donald goes one, even though it's even though the report is it's down to Mayfield and Allen. I still think he goes one. So that just leaves Allen and Rosen as the two they'll choose between, and 
let us pray that it's Josh Rosen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, yeah, I agree with that. I, I think it's going to go Darnold, Barkley, and then either Rosen or Mayfield, and then the Bills basically have to decide if they want to get up to get either the one that wasn't picked by the Jets or Josh Allen. And I will say after months of talking about, you know, the Bills quarterback, which is obviously important because that's what you need in the NFL. Yep. Um, it'll be nice to on Saturday watch the lottery and basically already know who the Sabres are going to take. <laughs> yeah, true, true. <laughs> so that we can just The only place it gets sketchy is four. If they get to four, then we're going to start fighting over players. But if it's anywhere in the top three, we'll be good. <laughs> we'll be set, but... I mean, hey, I always look forward to this time of the season. I think we'll see at least one big trade. And like I said, I think the dominoes will start to fall into place as to what Botterill is going to do or at least the the path he's going to take. Because I, like I said, I really think it's just that's what we're waiting for. We're just waiting for him to do something to give us a glimpse into what the hell he's going to do with the rest of the team. Right. Um, I mean, you've already seen start to see players like Anthony Ben say he's probably not coming back and Joseph's wife on Instagram saying they're not going to be back. Mm-hmm. So you're already starting to see people who aren't going to be back that aren't really surprises. But I think uh, once you see that one big trade and you get the lottery over and done with, I think we can start to move forward with how we're going to rebuild this team, um, which that's always fun. And then obviously mock drafts are always fun too. Definitely. So for Chad and Bill, we are out of here. Thank you very much for listening. Um, you know, I guess I, I don't see a reason why we can't come back or even if it's a short podcast, kind of talk about the results of the lottery after this weekend and kind of go from there next week. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll kind of see how things play out here. Um, so make sure you're following us on Twitter at BTB Hockey, uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spreaker, or all the excellent places that you can listen to this very podcast. And make sure you're checking out Die by the Blade. Uh, where you can also find this podcast as well as a bunch of other excellent Sabres content throughout the offseason. So, Jed and Bill, we are out of here. Good luck with the lottery on Saturday. Good luck to the Bills fans. We're also Sabres fans listening with the draft tomorrow and throughout the rest of the week. And we'll talk to you soon. See you later. See ya.